to the Bank Variety Podcast, a production of Step Change Africa. My name is Andrew Herwick, co-founder of Step Change Africa, and each week my colleagues and I will find, examine, and discuss bankable ideas proposed by African development boards, as well as share where we see opportunity for business building across the African continent. In this week's episode, we focus on Uganda and its proposed car project and it's 200 million dollar price tag so before we jump into the Paula Cable Car project itself, let's get some background context for it. So cable cars were invented a little over a century ago, really for exploring mountainous regions. And really in the early 2000s, they really started making several appearances in big cities for it. Um, they're really seen as an alternative to conventional urban transport modes. So really at its simplest, it's really just one long steel cable that rotates between pulleys at either end of a route. So it's not unlike really a traditional outdoor washing line. So hopefully, hopefully that provides some type of context with it. So 2004, that's where we see the launch of the, the Metro cable in Medellin, Colombia. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Medellin is really became synonymous during the, um, sort of the narco wars under Pablo Escobar. But they've received a lot of praise for launching this. Um, what they've seen is a reduction in crime. They've also seen um, great improvements in people's quality of lives, providing additional access for individuals who might have been restricted to finding certain jobs, um, really creating a lot of opportunities for it. And what we've seen is it's really um, sort of proliferated um, across South America, the use of cable cars. You can find the Rio de Janeiro and Caracas. They've also expanded into Asia as well, um, Europe. But that's just sort of the global perspective. Are they in Africa? Well, there is actually an African example. Um, right now, there is a bicameral uh, compile, or bicameral. Uh, ropeway in Constantine in Algeria. I apologize if I said, pronounced the, the name wrong with it. And that is essentially a two-station ropeway with it. That was launched in 2008, and that's the lone African example we have. Um, there's been talk in Lagos. Um, the recent... Um, Chatter, I've heard about that. That was supposed to be a multi-station uh, ropeway. Um, they had raged, raised uh, $230 million so far to date, but the last I heard, they were still looking for an additional $50 million. So simple math, that's $280 million for this particular project. Um, looking on the Eastern Africa side of things, uh, in Lukoni, um, there was chatter really up to 2018 
of creating uh, a ropeway, another name for a, a sort of cable car um, connecting the Coney on the mainland to Mombasa Island. Um, personally, I have um, taken this sort of uh, I've traveled between Lukoni and Mombasa Island, and I can tell you the traffic is horrendous, particularly if you're going to take a vehicle with it. Um, it's actually a lot easier if you're doing it with an individual, but it is not a pleasant experience, and you need a lot of patience um, in order to use the sort of uh, the current modes of transportation they have on a daily basis. What are the advantages of a cable car system? Well, what we've seen, it really enables people to have a better chance to find a job. That's what we saw from the example with uh, Medellin, Colombia with it. It's allowing people that wouldn't have easy access to the, the city center or the economic center because of where they, they reside. So this provides really a sort of a direct path to hopefully better employment. Also what it does, it cut down cuts down on time that it takes to get to work with it. All of us, um, no one likes sitting in traffic, nobody likes waiting for uh, public transportation with it. It's not fun, it is horrendous for it. And particularly what we've seen in African cities, um, I can tell you from being in Nairobi, being spending plenty of time in Kampala as well with it, sitting in traffic is horrendous with it. Anything you can find to reduce the amount of time to travel to go from meetings to meetings or one place to another is a life sign from that. Also, um, from the, I guess, the more economic perspective, it's actually cheaper to build than railways, tunnels, and bridges. So it just makes you sort of sit back and reflect and think, whereas... It's really just a lot of simple puzzle pieces that you need in order to make a, or build a sort of this uh, cable car project with it. You don't realize it's not as labor intensive and resources intensive compared to what we normally use to build our public infrastructure for it. Then also what we have with uh, cable cars is actually they have the potential to use to move a huge sum of people. Um, looking at the La Paz example, so La Paz is the capital of Bolivia, their cable car uh, system can move up to 65,000 people every 24 hours. And that's pretty remarkable. So, is it worth it? And my personal answer is no. Yes, we already talked about sort of the advantages that it has, and also it's great for reducing the ecological footprint and reducing um, the pollution in Kampala, for that example. But $200 million is such a huge price tag with it. It seems that it can very much become a white elephant project. And also, there's no guarantee there will be public usage of this, uh, what we see from the Rio de Janeiro example is that a lot of criticism towards that project is that this money could have been spent in so many other different ways that could have more impact on the inhabitants.
this money could be used towards more affordable housing, could lead to more investment in the healthcare system. And that is massive as we're coming out of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. It could be used for the educational system as well. McCary University used to be one of the top universities in Africa and over the, the past two decades, it's really lost its prestige. The additional investment that could be put into the tertiary and also primary education systems could have a profound effect, but that would be a long-term effect with it. If this project happened to go ahead with it, there has to be a huge amount of money spent on public awareness campaigns. And there has to be really intelligent design in making sure the cost is affordable for the people who need to use it the most with it. If you can't get people to buy into it, if you can't make a cost that's affordable where people can't use this a few days a week with it, it's not a worthwhile project for it. I think also what you see with these large public infrastructure projects is that they are nearly 100% foreigner-led. Sometimes you don't have the options. It has to be foreigner-led at the top. But going through at least the middle management to the, sort of the workers, um, entry-level workers on the ground doing more of the physical demanding labor with it, it is populated by sort of individuals from that country. But what I am sort of raising the, the concern about, and I know I'm definitely not the only one raising the concern, is, is that this project needs to be led and supported by Ugandan or Ugandan diaspora engineers. They are out there. They can be found with it. As I sort of mentioned sort of briefly earlier, is that too many of these public infrastructure projects are sort of supported by hundreds and hundreds, sometimes thousands of unskilled day laborers. If Uganda wants to become a middle-income country, and just to let you know, I hate these labels, it really needs to elevate from being sort of um, simple service skill-driven to a skills-led economy. We need to have individuals that can lead these projects, that can operate this heavy machinery as well with it. And that's how Yukon is going to be able to develop and sort of transform uh, in the coming years ahead with it. So with all of those taken into effect, I'm not saying a roadway project is not possible in the future, but right now there's too many concerns I think there could be a lot more use this money and attract investors in different elements that can have more tangible impacts in the short term and long term with it. I understand some of the criticism I might receive with it. Well, if you can have uh, roadway or cable car projects in Europe, in Asia, in South America, why not Africa? And my simple response is, yes, why not Africa? Why can't you have something that's just as good, if not better, with it? But what I've seen during my time, plenty of time 
in Kigali, Kampala, Nairobi, and other cities across the continent with it, that investment could be used a lot, in a lot better ways that can have that profound impact and can fix more of those sort of simple needs, such as healthcare, such as energy, such as education, that can have those simple, immediate, medium, and long-term impacts. I want to say thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have any comments, questions, think what I said was absolutely ridiculous, or think that uh, one particular area was not discussed uh, long enough, it's only so much you can do in 10-15 minutes. Um, drop us a line. The Bakewell Idea is a production of Step Change Africa. Step Change Africa is a business consultancy that provides customer-centric and hands-on solutions to businesses operating, investing, and expanding in Africa. Follow Step Change Africa on Twitter and LinkedIn or visit its website at www.stepchangeafrica.com. Till next time.